Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. And this week we are getting curious about choice. More specifically, the dichotomy of these two ideas related to it, the power of choice and the paradox of choice. What got me thinking about this is I was I was at an Ulta over the weekend. I was visiting my parents down near Hilton Head, South Carolina. And my mom and I went to an Ulta to restock on some of our favorite cosmetics. Um, And so I asked this woman who worked there if they carried this line called Charlotte Tilbury. Any of my makeup aficionados out there, you know that they make great stuff. Uh, They carry this line at Sephora, but I wasn't sure about Ulta. So I asked, and sadly they did not. So I started just looking around at similar products from other cosmetic lines. Basically, I was looking for like a creamy lip color, kind of a cross between a balm and a lipstick. Uh, Their Charlotte Tilbury product has this really nice sheen and it isn't like sticky or heavy. Um, Hashtag not an ad. I just love it. (laughs) And I'm sure a lot of you have been to these types of kind of wholesale retail types of stores. Um, specifically, you know, Ulta and Sephora are in more of the skincare cosmetic world. And I am like a kid in a candy store in places like that. So I have always loved makeup and skincare. You know, my mom had me and my sister doing a skincare routine from the age of like, you know, 11 or 12. Uh, (laughs) I've always been really into it. Uh, And I actually used to be a makeup artist. So when I was living in Sydney, Australia, after I graduated college, I had two jobs. One was a server in a restaurant. And then the other one was a makeup artist at this kind of like mall kiosk, you know, one of those kiosks in the middle of the mall, like not its own store. Uh, But it was called Inglot. They actually have them here in the U.S. now. So I think it was a Polish brand called I-N-G-L-O-T. They carry it in Macy's now. And then they have a few standalone brick and mortar stores. Point is, I'm into makeup. I always have been. (laughs) And I also did like weddings freelance when I lived in Orlando Orlando. for a while. And my mom used to joke, and still does joke, that whenever we'd walk by a Sephora or an Ulta, she would say, put your blinders on, Kristen. (laughs) Because she knew that if I saw it, I'd want to go in, and it would be like a minimum of an hour of our lives (laughs) spent in there. So these stores, they just have a lot of stuff in them, right? It's just kind of like visual overwhelm. (laughs) So I didn't really want to ask someone who worked there for a recommendation for a substitute, For the lip color that I was looking for, I just didn't feel like going down that path that day. Um, I think probably because I've been in sales for so long, I was like, I just don't really feel like being sold to. And and I recognize that like they are experts, but you know, some of them do know what they're talking about and others don't. And because I know a lot about makeup, a lot of times I find myself just, you know, patiently listening to their spiels and being like, I don't know if that's right or not. (laughs) So I just started looking around myself. And after maybe 10 or so minutes, I was just overwhelmed, y'all. I was just overwhelmed 
with the choices, so much so that I ended up not choosing anything. I just went online and reordered my Charlotte Tilbury lip color, uh, even though shipping was going to take like two weeks. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to run out before that two weeks is up, but so be it. Uh, and that just got me thinking about this study that I read in a book, this book by Barry Schwartz called Paradox of Choice. And the basic premise is that the more choices people are given, the less capable they are of making a decision. <laughs> he cites this study. It was done in 2000 by these two psychologists. Um, I think their names are Sheena Iangar and Mark Lepper. So they published a really interesting study related to choice. Uh, and it was about shoppers in a grocery store and giving different options for jam, gourmet jams. So on one day, shoppers at this upscale food market saw a display table that had 24 different varieties of this gourmet jam. And basically anyone who sampled the spreads would get a $1 coupon for any of the jams. And then on a different day, shoppers saw a similar table, except that there were only six varieties of the jam on display. So the large display with 24 options, it did attract more interest than the small one. More people came by. But when the time came to actually purchase, people who saw the large display were one-tenth as likely to buy as people who saw the small display. Okay, let's invert that. People who saw the display table with six options were 10 times more likely to buy the jam than the people who saw the table with 24 different options. Like, tell me honestly, how overwhelmed do you get looking at the Cheesecake Factory menu? <laughs> like, it is a novel. It is like 25 freaking pages long. <laughs> like, how often do you just, like, get your usual there or go to the type of cuisine that you know you like most there? Because you just don't even want to look at all the choices. You don't want to be inundated by so many options. And let's kind of juxtaposition. Let's compare this to, like, let's say your favorite food truck, you know, that probably only makes, like, three to five things. And that is probably a much quicker and much easier decision for you for the most part, right? Like these are perfect examples of the paradox of choice, how too many options can lead to analysis paralysis and eventually to inaction, to not, to nothing. You become so overwhelmed by the volume of choices that you choose nothing. <laughs> I'm having PTSD thinking about the last tax season. Uh, have you guys ever... <laughs> started doing your taxes in one of those platforms like TurboTax and then just gotten so overwhelmed by the volume of questions and information that they ask for that you just stop and like save for later, <laughs> save and come back to it. I would love to get the actual hard data on this. Like how many people finish their tax returns in one sitting, in one session versus multiple? Like I would bet there's a lot of people who it takes a few times and breaking it into smaller, more digestible pieces. So the net net on that is that choice is good for us, but 
its relationship to satisfaction is definitely more complicated than we tend to think. There's kind of this diminishing marginal utility in having alternatives where like each new option actually subtracts a little from that feeling of well-being, right? It's like you have more FOMO about more things, the more options there are, because that means the more options you have to turn down when you pick something. So on one side, we've got that. We've got the paradox of choice. And then on the other side, we have the power of choice. And this basically refers to the feeling of agency or control in a situation. And obviously that is something that we as humans really value. Um, Another study I'm going to cite. So this one was testing this psychological concept, the power of choice, and they basically used vending machines here. So basically you could either choose to get a soda from one vending machine. So the first test group Basically, there was one vending machine. It was a Coca-Cola vending machine. And so their choices were get a soda or don't get a soda. That's it. They gave another set of participants two choices, two vending machines next to each other, one Coke, one Pepsi. And 30% more people got a soda in the two machine experiment because it creates this perception that people had to choose between the two machines, even though they didn't have to choose. They could have chosen neither. Same as the first group of people. They could have chosen no soda. But when we're given two choices, people felt like they had to choose between the two. Versus when given one choice, you feel basically constrained. You know, you feel like it's not really a choice at all. So... There was actually another university study where students could either write a book report on one predetermined book. Everyone was like given the same option of the same book to write a report on or given an option of writing a report about any book that they wanted. And then 35% more students chose any book. So I actually had a sociology professor at UC Santa Barbara. So I double majored in sociology and communications. My favorite comm class was this one, um, it's kind of like, I think it was interpersonal communication, but a big part of it was about the interview process. And I was like, this is so useful in real life. Everybody should do this. (laughs) So that was my favorite comm class, my favorite social class. Um, I don't even remember the name of the class. All I remember is that it is my favorite because of the way the professor formatted it. So In retrospect, now that I'm thinking about it, he was probably running a study on us. (laughs) But basically, on day one of the class, he told us that there were going to be four tests and six papers offered throughout the semester. He handed out, you know, a written summary of all the different things, all the options. And then basically, we got to pick two of the four tests that we wanted to take and three of the six papers that we wanted to write. So I absolutely loved this format, and it was the only class I took that had anything like that. And I probably loved it because of this exact concept of the power of choice. Humans love the idea of having control and agency. Um, 
this was a really interesting one. So the founder of Bumble, Whitney Wolf Heard, she actually used this as a marketing strategy to drive downloads of her app when she first got started. So, you know, at first she was trying other things. She was just trying like posting flyers around campus. She hosted like dating parties, you know, was doing all this like grassroots type of stuff and none of it worked. And then she decided to put up signs outside of lecture halls that said, you may not use any of these apps while in class. And the list was Facebook, Twitter, Tinder, and Bumble. And at this point, a lot of people didn't even know what Bumble was. So first thing this flyer did was to create awareness and intrigue. Like, what is Bumble? I know what the other three are. What's this? But it also put Bumble on this level with these widely known social media heavy hitters like Facebook and Twitter. It kind of made it seem like if you don't know what Bumble is, you must be living under a rock. And it worked. She drove thousands of app downloads from doing this. So the point is, if you tell anyone that they have to do something, more likely than not, you're going to get varying levels of resistance, grudge holding, resentment, questioning, begrudging compliance, proposed alternatives. (laughs) Some people fall in line more easily than others, but on the whole, telling someone that they don't have a choice that they have to do something will trigger almost an involuntary knee-jerk type of resistance. Like think of every time a parent has ever told you to do something. And even if it's something that you would have done anyways, you don't do it solely out of spite. (laughs) I have done that many times. My parents can attest. Uh, You know, do your homework before you watch TV, eat your vegetables, clean your room, You know, even if those were things that you were going to do, the second they tell you you have to do them, now it's like, okay, now it feels like I'm not choosing to do this, or, you know, they don't trust that I would have done this had they not said something, you know, whatever. It makes it feel like you're taking orders from someone else and you're not in control. So the takeaway from today's podcast is that the next time that you are trying to convince someone to do something or to take some sort of specific action, remember this fine line between the paradox of choice and the power of choice. People need to feel that something is their choice, their agency, but also they need to not feel overwhelmed by too many choices. Thank you so much for listening. Please tap that subscribe or follow button. Please leave a review. It helps a lot. And please, please share the podcast with anyone who you think might benefit from it too. And until next time, stay curious.